Coming to you from beyond the veil, where anything is possible and nothing is beyond your reach, where time and space are figments of your imagination and life is but a dream. Bringing you the best and latest that human and non-human intelligence has to offer, this is Messages from the Multiverse with Ian R. Anderson, Certified Hypnotherapist. Hello everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Messages from the Multiverse. This is the first episode of an exciting new podcast which is going to explore the greatest mysteries, unanswered and perhaps sometimes unanswerable questions, and most fascinating topics in this great incomprehensible cosmos. My name is Ian R. Anderson, and I am your host and moderator. Since this is our first time meeting, I'd like to take a moment to tell you a bit about myself and how it is that I have come to make this show. The mysteries of creation and existence have long been an obsession of mine. My first exposure to the grandeur of the great unknown was as a young child, when my mother would encourage me to ask interesting questions. We would wonder and muse for hours on whether time was discovered or invented, or what would happen if a spaceship reached the edge of the universe. My young mind would bounce around inside these great open spaces, coming up with all kinds of different scenarios and stories as I drifted off to sleep every night. As I grew up, my dream was always to be an astronaut, outer space being the great frontier. The biggest mystery of all is the universe itself, and it is just waiting to be explored. I read many, many books, both fiction and nonfiction, everything from the great epic poems and works of the ancient world to the greats of science fiction and science fact. Physics, astronomy, cosmology were always at the top of my interests, and I lived in a world made of things that could be observed, a basically materialistic worldview. This would all change very abruptly on my 19th birthday, February 3rd, 2001, when I took my first two hits of LSD. Suddenly, not only did I realize that there was a universe as vast within me as the one without, but I also saw that my entire life had been a sort of illusion, a lie which I had been programmed to believe, and which caused me to be ignorant of the most important aspect of reality and existence, consciousness. Suddenly, I could sense the consciousness in all of nature, from something smaller than a grain of sand to something as enormous as the universe itself. I could feel the story behind each object. Each person became a universe unto him or herself in my mind. More importantly, I sensed that all the cosmos was connected, always had been and always would be through consciousness. This allowed me to see situations from many different points of reference at the same time, gave me the ability to feel and think more deeply and richly than ever before, and left me in a perpetual state of wonder that has lasted to this day. Now with this podcast, I intend to be honest because I think the world needs it and you all deserve it. The psychedelic experience saved my life and I came to believe that it is one of the most crucial and necessary experiences and rites of passage that a person can go through. This change sent me on a lifelong journey to seek the truth wherever it hides and to shine the light into the dark spaces so ignorance would have nowhere to hide. I began researching human consciousness tirelessly. I studied art, quantum physics, meditation, breathwork, sacred geometry, ancient wisdom, shamanism, love, 
the spiritual teachings of the world, mythology, and anything else that I thought might clarify this great mystery and give me an answer to the question, what is consciousness and how does it fit within the framework of the universe? I went to college for four or five years, majored in psychology, studied physics, astronomy, anthropology, the minds of psychopaths, and literature, to name just a few subjects, but all the way along, I became more and more disenchanted with the so-called higher learning establishment in our civilization. I found that the really important questions were being ignored, that physics was totally ignoring consciousness, that psychology was almost entirely ignoring the subconscious mind, and focusing instead on labeling disorders and putting people into little boxes from which they would never escape, once diagnosed as schizophrenic or bipolar, depressed or borderline personality disorder. I came to see that the establishment was not interested in asking the big questions, because all that does is highlight their own ignorance, and they don't get paid to not know the answers. So instead they focus on categorizing and labeling things that can be observed, wasting billions of dollars a year on creating new ways to convince us that we are all stupid, sick, and in need of their cures. Still, from that fateful day of my 19th birthday on, I held on to my psychedelic mind, dipping into the mysterious unknown any time I could and every time trying to bring back something of substance. Eventually, my path led me into a successful career in hypnotherapy, where I work every day exploring the depths of the subconscious mind, opening new paths to empower my clients and helping them to release the old patterns which blocked and limited them. Consciousness is the water in which I swim, the air I breathe, and the language I speak. I am here with you now on the next stage of this journey to ask the world what you can add to this story. All of you have something to contribute because you are all beings of consciousness. In these years of exploration, I have come to understand that consciousness does not fit within the framework of the universe, but that there is a multiverse which sits within an infinite expanse of consciousness. This consciousness seeks to explore and know itself through the images it projects, images which are reflections and refractions of aspects of itself, and these qualities can be experienced in an infinity of ways. Each of you are a point in this never-ending matrix of information, like a processor in a distributed network of minds which goes on forever, in all directions, through all dimensions, in all the universes of all creation. We are like the windows through which the great mind of creation views and understands itself. That is why the greatest purpose of life, as Socrates said, is to know thyself. For to know thyself is to know the divine, the all, the everlasting and almighty creator. It's inside us all. Therefore, I ask all of you, human and non-human alike, and anyone else who might be listening throughout this great multiverse to lend me your ears, your minds, and your hearts so we can explore the great mystery of being together. Every day in my hypnotherapy practice in Encino, California, I use a hypnoshamanic approach to help people manifest the lives of their dreams and meet all their goals. As a master facilitator of therapeutic imagery and an instructor at the world's foremost hypnotherapy college, I have an understanding of the subconscious mind that can only be obtained through years of dedicated work, empathetic presence with those whom I work with, and personal exploration within my own subconscious mind. 
in other words, practicing what I preach. I see many people who are not mentally ill in any way, shape, or form, but are suffering and struggling nonetheless. To live a decent life in a world culture that wants to squeeze everyone into nice little cookie-cutter personalities. Now, as a husband and father, I am raising a family in a world full of mindless role models who are worshipped because of their looks or the image they are paid to put forth, are famous and revered, yet many have no talent whatsoever, and are treated like gods when most of them couldn't tie a pair of Velcro shoes. I don't need to name any names right now. I'm sure there are several that come to your mind already. We can get to that in future episodes. My point is that even these self-obsessed, self-congratulating, megalomaniacal celebrity puppets deserve better than what we have been tricked into accepting as a reality in which to invest our lives and raise our children. Look at how much has been lost already due to the disease into which modern culture has mutated. I could go on for hours listing all the species of animals which have gone extinct since the advent of machine technology. We have a whole population of Americans addicted to television and pharmaceutical or illicit drugs. A world of warring and murderous fundamentalists who are all ready to see the end of the world so they can prove their God is more almighty. And children all over the planet dying of starvation and disease every single minute. Plus we have an elitist cult of power-obsessed, pedophilic, multi-billionaire fascist warlords who are trying to spend every nation into oblivion so they can roll over the ashes of the cities and countries they bomb into the ground and from the rubble coax their new utopia, all clearly evidenced by their longtime motto, Order Out of Chaos. There once was a time when we humans were one with the natural world around us, when we spoke the language of the world and were in harmony with the rest of the cosmos. The whole of creation was seen as a minded entity, full of meaning, power, and intention. There was a time when all humans were truly equal, and all life was truly respected, when our leaders led with truth and dignity, justice and equality as their priorities. We can return to that state. We can have that long-lost golden age again if we work together in celebration of what it means to be truly alive, truly awake, truly human. In my shamanic practice, I work in the light, journey into other worlds and bring back as much of value as possible to try and help heal the world and help it progress. I do all of this as one person and I am reaching out into the great beyond to see who else might hear my voice, like my message, and want to help heal the world with me. So from me, Ian R. Anderson at Hypnotropia in Encino, California, to all of you wherever you are, welcome to Messages from the Multiverse. Today's topic is Propaganda and Suggestibility. Messages of all kinds are around us, directed at us, actively and passively, everywhere we go. We do not always notice them consciously, but our mind is always taking them in on a deeper than conscious level. Some messages are inconsequential or mundane, such as red light, green light, or Reseda Boulevard, exit one and a half miles, or the alarm that wakes you up in the morning. These messages are often processed unconsciously and come and go through our awareness without being noticed much. Some messages come from our own minds, conscious or subconscious, or our bodies, such as the thought that it would be nice to have a waffle for breakfast or the pain you feel when you stub your toe. Some are important in educational messages, such as 2 plus 2 equals 4. 
These messages often require some conscious processing, especially at first while we're becoming conditioned to new ideas and concepts. Often when a type of message has become familiar, the mental effort required to process that information is shifted into the subconscious mind. The type of messages we're talking about today are a type which are important, effective, and come with multiple layers of meaning embedded in them. Some of the information in these messages is processed consciously, and some goes directly into our subconscious mind without being noticed much at all. The fact that these messages can sneak past our mind's defenses and gain access to our subconscious without being examined first is part of the reason why these particular types of messages are so important and why they are the topic of our first episode. We know this type of message is propaganda. What is propaganda? It's a message intended to persuade or manipulate a person's thought process by giving them a one-sided point of view intended to shift their opinion to the side of the propagandist. Propaganda differs from education or standard information in that the opposing or differing viewpoints are not represented and often are even attacked or ridiculed. Propaganda does not have the viewer or listener or reader's best interest in mind, but instead is focused on furthering the interest of the party behind the message itself. So what causes someone to be susceptible to manipulation by propaganda? One major factor is consistently exploited to maximize the likelihood that a message or suggestion embedded in a piece of propaganda will be accepted into our consciousness. It's the same thing that allows a person to learn new things, to feel good after a compliment, or to have a bad day because they see something sad on the news first thing in the morning. It's called suggestibility. Suggestibility indicates both how we take in information and our level of receptivity to that information. There are two types of suggestibility, physical or literal, and emotional or inferential. This is a spectrum, not a black or white label. Everyone is a little bit of both types, but most of us are dominant on one side or the other. There is a certain portion of the human population, about one-fifth of us, who land right in the middle of this scale, and they're called somnambulists. We will get to somnambulists later. Right now, we will focus on the majority of the population because they require more pressure before being affected by a message. Physical suggestibles, the literal type, take things at face value based on the words or messages themselves. They accept or reject suggestions based on how they feel about it physically. They experience their emotions via physical sensations. Emotional suggestibles, the inferential type, look for the meaning of the words or the message behind the communication. They tend to experience a delay in or suppression of physical reactions to suggestions. This means they experience their emotions intellectually, analyzing and reasoning through their understanding of the world and their interactions with the people and objects in it. For example, if I said, it's cold in here, and you were a literal suggestible person, you might respond, yeah, it is. Straightforward response to a straightforward statement, right? Maybe not. If you're an inferential suggestible individual, you might respond to the same statement by getting up and grabbing me a blanket because you inferred that by mentioning the cold, what I really meant was that I wanted something from you, like a blanket. Neither of them is right or wrong, because what also matters in this scenario is whether I am a literal or inferential communicator. Do I speak in literal terms or symbolic terms?
Messages or suggestions can be delivered in an either literal, direct form or an inferential, indirect form. Either way, both ways of receiving a message can be either correct or incorrect, or even somewhere in between. In order to find out where on the suggestibility scale you lie, visit hypnotropia.com, H-Y-P-N-O-T-R-O-P-I-A.com, click the What is Hypnosis button on the menu bar, and download or print the suggestibility questionnaires. The powers that control the world have understood suggestibility for a very long time. They may have called it by different names, but it has been used against us for hundreds if not thousands of years by religious organizations, governments, tyrants, corporations, and other institutions which have rarely, if ever, had the best interest of the human race in mind. I believe this understanding is one of the reasons they have been so successful at controlling the popular worldview for so long, and why certain ideologies become widely accepted, while others quickly become obscure and are either forgotten or marginalized and made taboo. One example of this is the way governments and media outlets of the world turn the UFO and extraterrestrial intelligence question into a laughingstock instead of the biggest news in the history of the human race. Now it cannot even be mentioned in a group of ten people without at least eight of them rolling their eyes or ridiculing the topic outright. You see, what this really all comes down to is that the powers that be have us all in a very negative and disempowering type of hypnotic trance. We have become hypnotized by the technology and information which has us overstimulated, overworked, overstressed, and overmedicated, while we have been tricked into accepting a life where we are all undervalued, undereducated, underpaid, and underestimated. In order to demonstrate how this is a hypnotic trance, I will tell you what hypnosis is and how it works. There are different types of hypnotic trance. The kind I induce in my practice every day is a very positive, empowering, and life-affirming state of mind and body that helps my clients achieve their goals and realize their dreams. The type of hypnotic trance we're talking about here, called environmental hypnosis, has very different results, but is induced in much the same way. Hypnosis is an escape mechanism that the human mind evolved as a means of dealing with an overload of information or message units from the environment, the body, conscious and subconscious minds. Primitive man evolved in a world full of threats and danger. Like the rest of the animal kingdom, we come into this world with the ability to respond to those threats with one of two options, fight or flight. When we thought we could handle a threat, we would attack it. When it was clear we could not, we would run. When we could neither fight nor flee, we would enter a passive and apathetic state where we would play dead until the threat had passed. Society placed restrictions on our ability to fight or flee. Certain inhibitory mechanisms were developed and anxiety was created out of the inability to deal with many of these threats in the way we evolved to do so. We then developed the pain-pleasure principle, where something known and familiar to the mind equals pleasure and comfort, and something unknown represents fear and pain. Because of this, the mind will sometimes view something which causes pain or suffering in our lives as a positive thing, if it is what we know and recognize. 
We all know someone who always goes out with the wrong person or someone who self-sabotages habitually. That's what happens when negativity is in your comfort zone. Even though we do not live in the state of nature in which the human race evolved anymore, we still have that primitive mind deep in our consciousness. Now, instead of saber-toothed tires, we have our boss, the semi-truck in the lane next to us on the freeway, the villain in our favorite television series, or the threat of foreclosure. Since we are not able to attack our boss or flee from our mortgages, many of us find ourselves reverting to that apathetic and passive state more and more every day. As babies, that primitive mind is basically all we're born with. Over time, we collect negative and positive associations based on our experience of the world, the objects in it, and how we relate to those objects when we first experience them. For example, being bitten by a dog often leads to a fear of dogs later in life. From birth to about eight or nine years old, our suggestibility is forming based on how we are communicated with and interacted with by our primary caregiver. At about nine years of age, a layer of mind, half conscious and half subconscious, forms over those negative and positive associations. We call this the critical mind. The critical mind is the gatekeeper to the subconscious mind and it refers to those knowns and unknowns to decide which suggestions will be accepted and which rejected. When something is not in alignment with our subconscious beliefs slash identity, the critical mind will reject it. This is where hypnosis becomes important because hypnosis is that escape mechanism which we developed to deal with the overload of message units. When hypnosis is induced in a positive and controlled environment, it is an empowering and positive state where old negatives can be changed and new positives can be inserted to replace them. Negative habits can be vented and released, so new, healthier ones can be made known and familiar to our minds. When hypnosis is induced out in the world at large by an overload of stress and negative message units, when we are stuck in traffic or sitting in front of the television, it can be not so positive. Well, how do most of us escape from the stresses of life? When we are stuck in traffic, we turn on the radio. When we get home from a long day at work, we sit in front of the television. In both cases, we often lapse almost immediately into environmental hypnosis and enter a passive, hypersuggestible state where our subconscious mind becomes wide open to the messages coming at us from people and organizations that benefit greatly when we are easily convinced or manipulated. So how can we protect ourselves? It starts with understanding our suggestibility. How does suggestibility work, and how does it relate to propaganda? Let's go over the dominant laws of suggestibility to find out. The laws of suggestibility are the law of reverse action. A person will respond to the portion of a suggestion which is perceived or presented as stronger and reject the weaker portion. This is often referred to as reverse psychology as well. The law of repetition. The more one sees a message, the more receptive one becomes to that message. A person will likely accept a statement or idea as truth if they are presented with it enough times. The law of dominance. When a message is presented in an authoritative way by a person represented as an authority on the subject, or when power and authority are embedded in the delivery of a command or suggestion, a person is much more apt to accept it. The law of delayed action. When an inferred suggestion is implanted, 
The subject will react to it when a jogging or triggering circumstance or condition, which was used in the original suggestion, presents itself in the environment. And finally, the law of association. When we repeatedly respond to a certain stimulus in the presence of another, we will eventually begin to associate one with the other. When an image is paired with an emotion enough times, eventually all that is needed is the image and the emotion will automatically be evoked. This is also known as classical conditioning. It is important to note here that imagery is the language of the subconscious mind. Language affects the subconscious mind through the memories and associations within it, which allows the subconscious to produce images which match its understanding of the words being said. This flow of words into imagery and imagery into words is a two-way flow. Words can go in and create images, and images can come out and be communicated in words. Many images and words are associated with emotional states and emotional memories. This means that images and words in the environment can cause changes in our subconscious programming. This is how we become who we are through interaction with the world around us. Our experiences are directly connected to our identity. How are these laws used specifically to make us more suggestible to the messages around us? Let's look at the logic behind the placement and design of these messages. We'll start with television ads. Knowing that we go into a hypersuggestible state when overloaded by stimulus and information makes it clear why TV ads are played at the peak of intensity or conflict in a show. Hypnotic depth is measured by the relative drop into hypnosis from the height of the peak of overload. The higher that peak, the more relative depth is achieved during that commercial break when we go deeper into the trance state. We are highly receptive to the messages given to us at this time. The critical mind is in the back seat and our subconscious mind is taking it all in. If someone were to ask you a minute or two later what commercials did you see on the break, you would likely struggle to remember because a bit of amnesia is natural in the trance. Much of our conscious awareness is unfocused. That's why we have trouble remembering dreams after we wake up and why sometimes you will realize you were driving on a sort of autopilot for a few minutes and maybe past your exit. But you can be sure that your deeper subconscious awareness is paying attention and our identities, beliefs regarding self-worth and our self-image are all being affected by these messages. For example, a commercial for a popular antidepressant medication starts with an animation of a woman a regular woman, like many of the women you may know, and she has a sad face. The first words out of the ad are, here is me, and here is my depression. A hole opens up in the ground next to her, and she describes how her depression was before taking this particular medication. The ups and downs, having to put on a happy face, eventually the hole opens up, and she falls into it. Her doctor, a drawing of a man with glasses wearing a lab coat comes up and takes her hand and helps her out of the hole as she mentions that many people experience symptom improvements in as little as a week or two on this medication. The woman sits down with her depression, a black hole with eyes, in a chair next to her. They suddenly have clipboards and pens, and the doctor pulls down a projector screen with the logo of this medication projected onto it. A man's voice, the voice of the doctor, comes through the speaker and the doctor character begins to educate the woman and her depression. If you experience side effects, you should call your doctor. And he lists some of the side effects. 
which if you ask me, would cause anyone to become more depressed, if you lived through taking the medication, that is. But as he describes this, suddenly the woman and her family are walking in a park, past some trees on a sunny day, going to have a picnic. They find a nice spot and unroll the blanket. The woman sits down with a smile on her face, and in a very reasonable and relatable tone, she talks about how much better she feels now that her doctor added this medication to her other antidepressant medication. All the while, her depression, a now much smaller hole, is floating in the air next to her. It then floats down onto the ground and starts looking more like her pet as it moves back and forth behind the group on the blanket. This is much more than a simple attempt to educate you on a new type of medication to treat your depression. Let's look at some of the suggestions being given by this ad. First, the image of the regular woman is used because women are twice as likely to become depressed in our culture. Next, the woman doesn't ask if you are suffering from depression. She states, here is me, here is my depression. For every woman watching the ad, that is a message to their subconscious mind that they are depressed because this image is designed to be generic enough to be accepted by the viewers as a potential image of themselves. You will notice that almost every ad for antidepressant medication is directed specifically at women, and that the message behind the imagery is that you are depressed just like the person in the ad. These are images that almost anyone can relate to. Everyone has had a day where they felt like they were in a rut or a hole, so to speak, or like they were weighed down. This is suggesting that you might be depressed because of that, which is nonsense in the vast majority of cases. Now, let's look at the imagery of the scene with the doctor. First, the woman and her depression are sitting in chairs with clipboards while the doctor educates them. This is a suggestion that the commercial is trying to educate you so you can make the best informed decision possible. Luckily, they are required to make certain warnings regarding side effects or we would likely not be told. But the message is that many people experience symptom improvement. That's the stronger part of the suggestion. And only some people experience side effects. That's the weaker part of the suggestion. Your subconscious mind is more likely to accept the stronger part as the best possibility. No big deal, though. Just call your doctor if you happen to be one of that weaker minority. Obviously, neither the drawing nor the voice actor speaking for it are actually doctors, but the image is enough to give an authoritative and compassionate spin to the ad, since he is the one who also helped her out of the hole. But the point is that no actual education is taking place. You are not given a single statistic regarding what percentage of people actually experience the side effects listed, which were strange behavioral changes, thoughts of suicide, death, stroke, a possible life-threatening condition indicated by high fever, stiff muscles, and confusion, uncontrollable muscle movements, which could become permanent, extreme high blood sugar that could lead to coma or death, decreasing white blood cells, dizziness upon standing, seizures, trouble swallowing, and impaired judgment or motor function. This list is quickly given immediately after the suggestion that it is very unlikely. This actually makes most people feel safer and not terrified like it really should. Then comes the picnic. This suggestion is that if you take this medication, you will have your life back, 
a life free of troubles and depression. The woman talks about how much better her life is while she slips in the fact that you will actually have to take this medication along with the antidepressant you're already taking, which, by the way, has its own laundry list of side effects. The commercial finally ends with a widescreen shot of the park and the other people at the park, all living their happy lives as well, probably because they're all on antidepressants too. This ad is full of powerful imagery and suggestions about how you feel, the troubles in your life, how you identify yourself in relation to regular people as well as authority figures such as doctors, and the solution to your troubles, this drug. It is clear that your best interest is not really being taken into consideration here. The hope is that they have convinced you to call your doctor. You are more likely to request this medication when you do, because not only were you shown the logo five times, but the name of the medication was actually mentioned verbally eight times and in text ten times, making a total of 18 repetitions of their name. It has been shown in research that 21 repetitions is all you need for a new pattern or habit to be formed. With the logo, they repeated the brand name of this medication 23 times and never once mentioned any other ways you could treat your depression, perhaps without medication. And the hope is that sometime later the suggestions in this message will be triggered, causing you to become a user of this medication. These commercials are repeated so many times on every channel that you can eventually play them back word for word in your mind. Children are extremely suggestible to the bright colors, jingles, and the happy emotions evoked by the associations these ads create and utilize. Actors presented as doctors, lawyers, and scientists suggest that the ads are based on real research, truth, or science. Actors presented as regular people cause the viewer to relate to them through their own needs, struggles, issues, goals, desires, and emotions. You can see that every one of the dominant laws of suggestibility were used by that commercial. Let's take a look at billboards and how they use the laws of suggestibility. They are placed in spots where you are most likely to be looking and lit up at night to draw your attention. Most people drive the same routes almost every day, so it is being reinforced every time you pass it. They're placed where sensory overload is almost guaranteed, such as near the freeway. And images are used to maximize emotional reaction via the law of association, such as a billboard for a beer company with crisp images of snow-covered mountains or sandy beaches in the background and beautiful women in the foreground, paired with the name and logo of the brand. Print ads are very similar to billboards in that you are looking at a static image. The law of dominance is brought into play by using the size, color, and font of the text to delineate the hierarchy of power in the message. The logo and brand name are going to be the biggest, most powerful part of the text portion of the ad. The images behind them are going to be associated with the desired emotion and target audience. And the fine print is the weaker part of the ad's message. Any warnings or disclaimers will necessarily be in that fine print because the fine print is rarely ever noticed or read. Now that you are aware of the laws of suggestibility, you can look for the messages and suggestions embedded in the ads you see. What other tricks and techniques do you notice? You can be sure that in the media, just like in politics, nothing happens by accident. If it is there, it is meant to be there. The good news is that when something was previously unconscious becomes conscious, 
and you are aware of something that you were not aware of before, you can begin to see it for what it is, and now you can have the power to change it or protect yourself and your loved ones from it. Hypnotherapy can be used to block you to these negative messages, because when you go into the hypnotic state in a positive, controlled environment, you are more resistant to entering trance states or the fight-flight state when you are out in the world. Also, when you use your subconscious mind with intention, and a trained expert helps to resolve the conflict between your conscious and subconscious minds, you are far more powerful because 100% of your mental power is focused on meeting your goals and empowering you in your life. Remember that you are much more empowered when your thoughts, words, and actions are in alignment instead of in conflict. Give yourself the permission to think, speak, and live your truth. This is just the beginning. We are going to go much deeper into this topic and many, many more in future episodes. My intention with this podcast is to open your minds to the unknown so you can learn to embrace it instead of fearing it. The unknown can be the source of all our resistance and fears, or we can make it the source of all the great new blessings in our lives. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the term multiverse, it refers to the idea that we live in a reality composed of many layers, many universes, each of which is made up of several dimensions, and that these universes contain within them all possibilities, that anything that can exist, or that can even be conceived of existing, does exist in some parallel reality. There are theories in physics which support the reality of this idea, but even more importantly, our experience as conscious eternal beings supports it. We can manifest any reality we want if we can reach into those places or parallel existences where we have what we want and pull that reality into our current existence. This is multiverse consciousness, Call it quantum consciousness. It is the concept that anything is possible. The fact that we human beings and this amazing world we live on exist should prove that anything is possible. The multiverse exists for consciousness to thrive within it. It is likely that the multiverse was brought into existence to support the growth and evolution of beings just like you and me. Imagine what must be out there, not only within the boundaries of what we can see within the narrow bandwidths of our senses, but beyond that, and into the universes that might have completely different laws of physics, designed or existing in order to support completely different types of consciousness. Curiouser and curiouser. I invite you all to come down the rabbit hole with me. If you wish to contact me, Ian R. Anderson, Certified Hypnotherapist, Certified Handwriting Analyst, and Master Facilitator of Therapeutic Imagery, you can email me at Ian at hypnotropia.com. That's I-A-N at H-Y-P-N-O-T-R-O-P-I-A dot com. Or messages from the multiverse at gmail.com. And you can visit my website at www.hypnotropia.com. That's H-Y-P-N-O T-R-O-P-I-A dot com. If you think you or someone you know would make a great guest for Messages from the Multiverse, you can email us at messagesfromthemultiverse at gmail dot com. We are open to anyone who is doing good things in the world to support the human race, the earth, or multiverse consciousness. Until next time, 
Honor and love yourselves, your fellow humans, and our planet. Be well.